0: William Barton on the Premier League, brought to you in association with Pitch Publishing, the UK's leading independent sports book publisher. Also in association with the Sports Freelance Collective, with Walk Wag Play, a dog walking and training company in Cardiff, doing right by your dog. Follow on social media at Walk Wag Play. And also Tony Park Consulting. Helping you and your business grow. Tony Park Consulting at gmail.com. This is Barclay and Barton on the Premier League. Today we're looking back at the 2001 2002 season. But before I begin, obviously, um, if you've been listening to this podcast, sometimes we like to give a little um, nod to creators and artists and writers and smaller businesses out there who need a little bit of a window um, or ask for a little bit of a window but well, we just feel like giving a little bit of uh, a plug. And today, Manchester artist Justin Eagleton, he's releasing a very limited edition Manchester t-shirt to celebrate and raise funds for the NHS. I've got a feeling that they're going to sell out very quickly. Hopefully not. I say hopefully not before this show is released, but hopefully they do. Yeah, and he's got to do another print. Uh, but if you want to get one of those, and hopefully they'll still be available for you, you can find them at Justin's Twitter just in icons, and that's icons spelled i as in your eye, and then k o n s. And we'll put the link into the podcast description on the um, on our, all our providers as well.
1: Um, Paddy, um, how are you doing? Uh, very well indeed. Thanks. Uh, hi everybody. I'm um, looking forward to this one, Two thousand and one 2.
0: Yeah, but before we, we go down that, we, mm. there was a couple of yeah. things that we didn't miss, uh, that we didn't talk about in the last um, episode because we didn't find a place for oh. the relay. Um, the first one, and they're both sad relay. Roberto yeah. Di Matteo had a leg break early in the season and we, we had to come really back and talk about it because we're talking about a guy who scored in two yeah. cup finals with wax yeah. lyrical a little bit about him and um, a tragic way for his career to end.
1: Yes, it was. And uh, uh, in fact, I I remember uh, going to... uh, Graham Lasseau invited me to the opening of an Armani shop in London and um, he'd brought uh, Roberto Di Matteo along as his guest. And I knew that, that Di Matteo's career was in the balance and, you know, everyone had been looking out for what it was, uh, for, you know, what the verdict was, but although everybody really knew. um, And uh, Graham introduced me to Di Matteo, and I said, uh, oh, uh, hi, Robbie, Um, uh, how's your injury coming along? And Graham Lasso sort of looked a little bit stunned and desperately started pointing to the floor. And I looked down. And there was a pile of London Evening Standards, and the headline was Di Matteo uh, quits because of broken leg, and it was the the headline on the back page of the Evening Standard, right in front of us on the floor. Um, uh, Di Matteo, not surprisingly, um, <coughs> just uh, looked blank. Um, but uh, yeah, it was uh, that was that was sad, but. Um, another thing that 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 happened towards the end of the previous season uh even uh, more on uh, more sad was uh, the death of david rowcastle from cancer at a ridiculously early age this uh, fantastic english talent uh, part of a great uh, almost a class of 92 quality group of players who emerged under george graham mm-hmm. in the late 80s and early 90s and he Rocastle and, and others won two titles under George Graham. And uh, it, it's, it's right there. We, we definitely have to mark the loss of Roguecastle, not only one of the brightest English talents of his time, but one of the most uh, liked men, um, a very, very popular figure around London football.
0: Yeah, universal that isn't it it's yeah, rare to yeah. find a player who um...
1: yeah one of those players we t- we talked about Gianfranco Zolo uh, uh, two, three or four episodes ago on on his arrival uh, just there's certain players that, that opposition fans don't like to hate and uh, Roecastle was always one of them yeah. Um, moving
0: on to England, um, we generally do squeeze in a little bit of international football if, it's, if there's anything of significance <laughs> to talk about before we get mm. onto the Premier League and, and there were a couple of moments of significance um, I'm sure anyone who was there or anyone who played in those games would certainly attest to that The first one, Paddy, um, mm. we've well, we, we mentioned England's tries with Germany mm. in recent um, recent. Yeah episodes and this one they went to Munich and won
1: 5-1 yeah it was extraordinary I was I was there um, I think German, the, Germany took the lead actually mm. and you thought well this is the same old story took the lead very early on uh, England scored 5 Michael Owen was devastating uh, the chant 5-1 even Heskey scored uh, <laughs> became, became popular at that time because of course Emil Heskey who was so effective at taking the weight off strikers, including Michael Owen, uh, did score that day. Um, Stephen Gerrard, I remember once it became clear that uh, Germany were uh, going to get a you know a historic spanking from one of their great rivals. Uh, I remember um, uh, Stephen Gerrard uh, once he realised that the victory was inevitable nutmegged his club mate Didi Haman, <laughs> and uh, I thought oh Stephen don't do that don't do that you'll pay for it you'll pay for it one day um, but uh, anyway that was uh, that was a great occasion uh, certainly uh, certainly for all uh, England fans and, and, and a night that will never be forgotten
0: yeah, even Heskey scored was, in fact, yeah. the title of his autobiography. Um, oh, really? well, a Nice little plug because this pod is in association with Pitch Publishing and it was Pitch who did the book. So they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, they'll appreciate that. Um, a little later in the season, England qualified for the World Cup on the back of that result, really. Um, it mm-hmm. aff- afforded them the opportunity to draw drop points against Greece at Old Trafford. Um, which is famously remembered for David Beckham scoring in the last minute after a game in which he he played brilliantly in, in the game and Jim Holden for the Express described it as one man total football yes. although <laughs> having watched it again and seen the 53 kicks he took in the second half he, he,
1: he wasted about 53 kicks but it was almost as if he knew that night at Old Trafford that if he didn't Win or, or draw, but or win and a draw were the same thing. Um, if he didn't win the day for England, that nobody else was going to, and that's absolutely true. There were 10 jellies and David Beckham in the England shirts that day. I remember in the first 10 minutes seeing Martin Keogh, and I thought, he doesn't want to be here. You know, he's he, the occasion is just. Be, threatens to become too much for him, you know, and it was the true of all the others, but Beckham, and and yes, he wasted the free kicks, but the fact that he said, "Yeah, give them to me, I'll win, win the game for us, I'll win the day for us," uh, and sure enough, it proved to be true with the, with the free kick that nobody will ever forget, veering away from the Greek goalkeeper and into the what what I I think it's only appropriate to call the Stretford End. Um, uh, you know his fans, his place, his 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 stand, if you like, um, uh, and and you'll remember him sort of standing there like the statue of Christ the Redeemer in Rio de Janeiro. You know, yeah. almost uh, like a godly figure, and uh, it was a wonderful, wonderful scene. And but just one other thing, I would just like to make a point. I'd like to make. You you think uh, oh Greece, you know, you should beat Greece at home. Uh, don't forget that two years. After that, uh, two, and a, two and a half years after yeah. that night, uh, Greece became European champions. So, uh, you know, that, that, it turns out we weren't playing a bunch of mugs. We were playing a team that was on the rise. Um, but uh, even so, two, two all was, well, it was, it was due to one man
0: yeah absolutely I I remember I was exposed to Emil Eski about that about Mm. you know and I asked him were you not getting frustrated by the fact that he was missing that many free kicks and he said no because you always trusted that he would score the next one Yeah, and I thought well it's easy to say that when you've got you know almost 20 years after the event when he's um, secured a famous result but um
1: but there was—I mean, it was—it was almost uh, when he stepped up to take it, it, it. I can remember feeling this is this is almost a penalty, you know, um, because Beckham's going to get one right eventually, yeah. and uh, sure enough, he did, and, and that was it. But yeah, it was that uh, was a yet another highlight of what I think was a feel-good season. Um, okay, you're probably thinking. I'm a Man United fan, Paddy. Uh how could it be a feel good season. We didn't win the league. Um but it was, it really was a feel good season. Um and uh and at the end of at the end of it, um Arsenal were double winners um and and worthily so. Yeah, no, I, I will
0: not contend that. In fact, I'm saving some of my best compliments for Arsenal in this episode Good. Um, Good. let let's quickly brush over United's relinquishing of the title as quickly as we can. You've mentioned in the, the previous shows that you know United were flexing the financial power or at mm. least at least accumulating it and this summer, the first um well two thousand and one they broke the transfer record twice by signing Ruud van Nitori that had been a protracted transfer of course. And, and Sebastian Oh yeah,
1: he'd been booked a year earlier but then got a terrible injury and and it was much hugely to Sir Alex Ferguson's credit, one of his greatest moves I think was to keep in touch just as he kept in touch with Cantona mm. uh, for about a year um, uh, he kept in touch with Van Nistelrooy at Eindhoven just to ask how he was, how his rehabilitation was going. Um, and and when, when Van Nistelrooy came, it was almost as if he was saying, okay, you've been good to me, I'm going to repay you.
0: Yeah, and what I, you know, I don't often praise United for the class in the way that they handle the business but they paid, when Van Nistelrooy came back from his injury he wasn't in sparkling form for PSV, he was very much a rusty player getting over that injury and he scored something like 2 goals in 10 games which isn't world record or club record fee material but United were faithful to the the deal that they'd agreed with PSV and they paid that um, they, they also broke it, um, they broke that transfer record a few weeks later, one Sebastian Varon who oh, yes. oh no, no signing excited me in the way than Verón did, he was so, such
1: a highly rated midfielder Paddy he was, I, I remember seeing him the first time I saw him was in the Maracanã he played for uh, Argentina against Brazil in a friendly and uh, <laughs> I, I, I'll never forget his performance he was, I remember thinking this is Brian Robson uh, with his socks around his ankles and uh, he played, always played with his socks around his ankles, yeah. his dad played against United did you know that, for you, Estudiantes in the yeah. World Club Championship many years ago and uh, yeah, Veron uh, you know had a shaved head right right even then, he was he had languid skills but a phenomenal work rate uh, I remember uh Rai, do you remember Rai the sort of quite lazy looking but brilliant uh, Brazilian midfield player oh, he was yeah, up against yeah. him and he just wiped the floor with him uh, uh, did uh, Veron? and then of course later he played in the famous Beckham Simeone match for uh, Argentina, played very well actually in that game, it was one of Argentina's best players and uh, so I was so excited I, I, as a neutral that uh, Juan Sebastián Verón was coming to this this country, um, and of course it, it produced one of the great Fergie press conferences, where he 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 he, he called the press "use stupid bastards" <laughs> uh, because they they kept uh, criticizing, saying that Fergie had wasted twenty eight million on this guy and he says he's a great player and and it's just you stupid bastards that can't see it and uh, he really let fly which is fair enough it's fair enough Um, and uh, well I I think the stupid bastards were proved right in the end because he he went to Chelsea in the end for 15 million but I'm going uh, uh, and then Back to Argentina, but I'm, I'm going ahead of myself, so you resume the narrative, please. <laughs> no, but I
0: think it's a good place to start with uh, the fact that Veron did struggle. Van Nistor hit the ground running, scored a, a bunch of goals. Veron, uh, the really United struggles were sort of sim- symptomed by Veron struggling, and also um, one of the first real instances of Fergie's sort of Player power struggles when he got rid of Yab yeah, Stam at the start of the season, which was a mm-hmm. a massive shock move um, to to get rid of. Yeah. The, I mean, Stam had been in the team of the year for the for every year he'd been
1: at United, so it's a, yeah, and he was still at his absolute peak. If if you'd uh, had a you know a Europe wide uh, you know pick your top ten centre halves, he'd have been in the whole of Europe. He'd have been in the top ten centre halves or top five maybe mm. for for all of that time. He was still at his peak. He was still fit, um, and uh, Ferguson let him go and brought in, um, you know, the elegant but uh, ageing and not really perfect for English football, Laurent Blanc. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, that was it. You had you're either you're either on side or offside, and 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 the theory was that um, Fergie had been upset by a reference in. Uh, Yapstam's book to uh, certain r- rules being broken uh, during the, um, the the transfer, original transfer to United from PSV. Uh, was it? it was, no, Feyenoord, was it? Stam. It was PSV. It was PSV. PSV. Uh, it was, right. And, um, uh, uh, you know, he, 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 Stam disclosed that he'd been tapped up. Well, come on, every player's <laughs> tapped up before a transfer. But uh, there was a theory that he'd upset Ferguson, but uh, really uh, it, was, it, was, it was a huge shock. And, and Ferguson, to be fair, has said in one of his, one of his autobiographies since that, uh, you know, looking back on, on mistakes he made, he, he sold Stam too soon. Yeah, that was one. Um, yeah, the
0: rare, the rare Fergie admission of an error. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> yes, the um, the early season, United had a bit of a collapse. Really, there was they struggled to come to terms with this sort of new blend in the side. I think there was yes. a run of five defeats in seven games, which really uh, undermined their title challenges. That isn't taking anything away from Arsenal. So I think yeah. it's about right to talk about them now. Um, they won the league. Yeah. They won the FA Cup. Um, for me a major um, there were two major changes obviously mm-hmm. we talked about Thierry Henry but Pires, who signed the previous season really began to blossom possibly yes. even bigger than that um, Paddy was Sol Campbell who arrived controversial acquisition on a free transfer but mm-hmm. he, oh, Loren
1: as well at right back I, I think yeah there were a lot of factors I, I, I'd agree with all of those I would add uh, two uh, one would be Ashley Cole just getting better and better. He's still only about 20, 20 mm-hmm. years of age and he's getting better and better and better at left back so he in a sense has improved on the old uh, the old English back five uh, where Winterburn used to be. Cole's different class. Yeah. I mean Winterburn was okay but Cole is just in a different league uh, Keon's still there just about holding his own uh, against the challenge of Matthew Upson, Campbell is, you know, uh, is a complete replacement for Adams, um, a tremendous signing uh, from Spurs. Um, uh, Lorraine who was a midfield player, converted to right back by uh, by Arsene Wenger, and although Seaman played half the season, uh, Richard Wright, the newcomer, new goalkeeper from Ipswich, Englishman. Had um, they, Seaman and Wright, sort of half shared the season. Uh, but basically, um, half a season from Keo and half a season from Seaman. And apart from that, it's the whole George Graham back five finally consigned uh, to history. Um, so that's a, that's a big change. And it's proved the fact that they won the double proved that Wenger could build a back five of his own. Now, the other player that you haven't mentioned uh, yet, although I'm sure you would have done, was Freddie Jungberg. Because you quite rightly mentioned Pires. His improvement when he switched to the left side, coming in onto his favoured right foot, yeah. so that Cole could overlap on the left, was uh, a, another master sprook. But Freddie Jungberg on the right wing was quite magnificent. I mean, in the Footballer of the Year vote, Pires won it. Uh, in other words, my lot, the journalists. Uh, Rud van Nistelrooy won the players' vote. But in my opinion, the more I think about the season, the more I think that Jüngberg, rather than Pires, should have, uh, uh, you know, could have got the vote. I don't know whether... Uh, I'm just trying to remember whether we, we were keen not to split the vote again, as we had done on our famous in, uh, the, the United treble season. But uh, Jüngberg had a wonderful, wonderful season. And at the end of it when it turned had turned into a battle, really, between the two French managers, Liverpool's Gerard Houllier, happily recovered from uh, an illness, which we'll talk about, um, uh, and, and Arsene Wenger. And although Liverpool finished the season very, very strongly indeed, they just could not live with Arsenal, who I think their last defeat... I've got it written down somewhere. Let me consult my notes. Their last... Defeat was before Christmas. Their last league defeat was at Arsenal's, was at home to Newcastle a week before Christmas. And they just, they were just irresistible at the end. But the prime factor, the key factor in a lot of those games in the final furlongs was Fleddy Jungberg. I think he got six goals in the space of five league games. And that's a midfield player, that's a creator. So, um, you know, he he was, he was must have been a real strong candidate. Um, so there was Jungberg, Vieira and Parler in the middle. Pires on that left-hand side, forming part of that wonderful triumvirate. Ashley Cole, Robert Pires and Thierry Henry. Majestic Henry. And then Bergkamp still there, uh, partnering Henry. It was magnificent football. Still at Highbury on that wonderful fast pitch. I, I, I can remember going... To uh, so often to Highbury in in the this era that we're talking about, and even in the press box, I come from the comfort of the press box, being unable to follow the play. Such was the pace mm. of Arsenal's attack. It was, oh, it was like football on ice. It was just incredible uh, the pace, and you, at, at times you really felt sorry for the opposition. You really, really felt sorry for them, uh, but. Um, that was it. Their away form was even better. It was it was extraordinary. Very, very good side indeed.
0: Yeah, they were. I remember whenever you watched Arsenal playing at Highbury, mm. and then particularly as a, a fan of an opponent mm. side, you would watch them play and... Because Ivory was such a tight little pitch, yeah, yeah, and then they really made the most of it. It would yeah. feel, especially when they were on song, like they had a vice grip on the entire yes. pitch, Yes, Um, especially this season with Arsenal, um, it yeah. seemed like, um, and I'll, I'll probably be somewhat controversial for Arsenal fans. I, I really believe that this one, this season over the 2004 was, was their greatest side because mm. every single time I watched them play, I thought that they would win. Um, yeah. but they were so good. They had every, everything that was good about the Wenger
1: era. I yeah. think all the cocktail was perfect in this season. Uh, exactly. You know, how it does sometimes when you see a a pass, and, and because you 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 haven't read it, you think, oh, that's a bit of a loose pass, and suddenly somebody latches on to the end of it because they know what they're doing, yeah. and that where there was a lot. You, you, I don't know if you often feel that when you're seeing a really good side, you think, oh, uh, this is so good that even. I, uh, you know, even just watching it I can't understand what's going on you know it's that good and they were like that they were, they were bewildering and and that's why I said I, I sometimes felt sorry
0: for the opposition Jundberg um, you mentioned him I, I did want to talk about him because I, he had a, a quality that was and I've got to liken it to United because it's an obvious point of reference mm. Fre- Jundberg in this season very much mm. like Paul Scholes Johnny on the spot scoring goals
1: um, turning yeah. up scoring important goals um, Will Toad more mobile than skulls. Well, yeah, infinitely. Yeah, not as good a passer, but uh, or 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 looking back on his whole career as a player. But I think at that time, in that season, he was certainly one of the most significant players in uh, in in the country, definitely. And uh, amazing to think that he came so cheaply from uh, from Halmstad. He was, I think, one of Vinga's uh, many. Uh, and possibly one of the best of all Wenger signings.
0: Yeah, no, I think that's a fair shout. It's funny to look back now because, I mean, possibly in the last sort of seven or eight years of his reign, Wenger would be parodied for like, oh, I nearly signed this player, I nearly signed that yeah. player. But if, yeah. those first five years of his reign, you would yeah. look at Vieira, Lumberg. um, Lundberg, um and Elka yes. was another one. You're talking cheap foreign imports. Yeah. Who, yes. who were absol- They were. You thought his scouting system. I, we talked about it in an earlier episode that his yeah. knowledge of the continent uh, really stood him in good stead. But he yes. sort, sort of did the same. He was doing the same here as well. Um, but that's. I mean, that's doing a disservice to the football that it, um, his team played because this was. Um, this had every. Like I said, he had everything with Wenger. He had pace, physicality, power. Mm. I mean, in the middle of the park, Vieira was imperious, he really was. Um Edu would come in to replace well
1: Edu couldn't get regular place and he was a decent player. He'd played in the World Cup Club Championship. Do you remember the one that he got banned for for playing in? Uh and he was he was a good player. <coughs> yeah. Brazilian International is obviously a good player.
0: Arsenal's success really summed up by the fact that they've had Thierry Henry um, so it's almost like we said in previous episodes with one of the episodes where we talk about Cantona it's almost like yeah, they're so good that you don't really mention them but yeah. Armoury scores more than 30 goals in all competitions and then they've yes. got four other players with 13 or more which I mean that is some some rate of scoring goals
1: um, Absolutely, I mean uh, we haven't mentioned Silvan Wiltor although I'm sure we will when we talk about the the title actually being won late in the season. Uh, he got 10 in the league. Jungberg, from right side midfield or wide midfield, got 12 in the league alone. Mm.
0: Uh,
1: Pires got nine. Um, Bergkamp got nine. Henri, 24 in the league alone. So it was... Uh, yeah, they were just... Uh, I mean, we can we could we rave about this team forever, but uh, they, they certainly were. They also... Also, won won the FA Cup, um, beating uh, beating Chelsea. Which you might say, does this mean that football in this season began to move south? Mm-hmm. You know, the focus, the 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 the, the um, balance of power began in football in this country began to move south. Well, um, you, you could counter that by saying, well. Tottenham could have won the Worthington Cup, but they were beaten by Blackburn Rovers in the final. So, um, yeah, there was still there was still a bit of life in the north. Um, but uh, yeah, the, the, certainly the the strength of of London football was obvious from uh, Arsenal's double and Chelsea um, Chelsea also. Although I think they only finished about sixth in the league, but they they were building a very very powerful uh, powerful side under. Uh, Claudio Ranieri, and the, the the big plus with Chelsea, in the season was the introduction of Frank Lampard. Eleven million they paid West Ham for Frank Lampard, and people said, "Oh, could he be worth that huge fee?" Well, uh yeah, um, <laughs> just possibly.
0: about, just
1: about. <laughs> <laughs> um, Jimmy again. They had a striker. They had their own uh, version of Henri. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank still cracking them in. 23 goals in the league alone three of them pens. Uh, Good Johnson had a wonderful season. I loved Good Johnson. Yeah, it was to brilliant. Me he was an artist. Yeah. An artist and a creator and he he largely supplanted Zola for most of the se- the, the season. He got 14 goals himself, Good Johnson. Uh you know, fantastic talent, not the quickest, but uh not the least skillful, definitely. that's for sure. 14 goals, including one penalty, in the league alone. Petit played alongside Lampard, the likes of Stanich, Baldwin Zenden. you remember him?:
0: Yeah, good left foot. Uh,
1: good left foot. And uh, at times, though Chelsea had an interesting tactical um, manifestation, uh, in that occasionally they played with two left backs. Two attacking left backs, uh, and they would just interchange all through the game, which made it quite difficult for the opposition to pick them up. Can you remember who they were? Uh, I'll tell you if you like. Wasly so one. Lassau was one. Well done. And the other one was Celestine Babayaro. Oh yeah. And so it's quite difficult. You know, you are two very very similar players, but put them in together, and uh, actually, it it it's um, it works. Um, I think did England do the same with. Wayne Bridge and Ashley Cole. I think there. they
0: tried to, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, um, yeah, that was that was that was Chelsea and uh, and basically London because Tottenham didn't. West Ham actually were 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 good among the London clubs. They finished seventh, um, but again, if you look at their lineup, you think, well, that's not built to last, you know. They've already lost Rio Ferdinand to Leeds. Mm. Um, and and the team that finished second included Joe Cole and Michael Carrick. And uh, you think, well, you know, what's the point of building, you know? Uh, because they're, they're going to go one or two per season. Uh, but they did have Paolo Di Canio still. And uh, um, so they're, they're, they were a good side. Um, Christian Daly, Trevor Sinclair, a few others. Um, David James now in goal. And they, they uh, finished seventh. Yeah. Um, and uh, which meant that Tottenham were were by no means top London club. They were they were, I think ninth or tenth. Yeah, under, still under Glenn Hoddle.
0: Yeah, the league. I mean, they got to the cup final, which is uh, well, the league cup final, which was
1: a final. Yeah, beaten by beaten by uh, Blackburn, uh, a, a, a very, you know, a strongly resurgent Blackburn uh, Blackburn side. I think they were under uh, were they still under Graham Unes at that
0: yeah, time? Yeah, he brought them back up. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and uh, that was that was a pretty decent side um, under Sunes with uh, I, would two guy have been in the team? That wonderful midfield player. Um, I think he would have been. Yes, he was. Um, two guy played, and he was he was a tremendous midfield player. I mean, uh, I, I suppose it was through Graham Sunes's Turkish connections uh, that he was able to swing that deal, but. Uh, Two guys certainly became one of the cleverest midfield players in the country. David Dunn was also in the side. Matt Janssen, uh, another good player, suffered terribly for injury. Um, He was a a good player. Um, And uh, Keith uh, Keith Gillespie, I think, uh, had gone there as well. Uh, Henning Berg, a few other familiar faces. Uh, finished 10th in the League Blackburn and picked up the League Cup, which was the first Cup. I, everybody knows they won the League in the mid-90s, but uh, that Cup success was the first Cup success. This is the the original Cup kings of professional football. Um, they finished, uh, it was the first Cup success for something like 72 years, something like that.
0: Yeah. Um, you can't mention Graham Souness's flirtation with Turkish football without actually referencing what he did over there which was an incredible feat of he was manager of Galatasaray and did yeah. they win a game against Fenerbahce yeah,
1: yeah. and he, he took, took,
0: a took a flag <laughs> <laughs> uh, well if anyone's got the guts to do that um,
1: yeah exactly, Graham exactly. <laughs> 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 you know. yeah he was, he was great but of course I suppose he still still loved for that but uh, he, he really enjoyed his time uh, in Turkey. Certainly, left his mark, and um, uh, so and you know, uh, so another, a, a cop for Blackburn, yeah. and uh, all, all over. It was a good season, you know. A lot of a lot of clubs did well. We've mentioned already. And the funny thing about the league campaign was that the leadership changed. Um, okay, it became a two-horse race, but the leadership changed. Uh, about six, six, six different clubs held the leadership, as by my uh, uh, calculations. After three matches, guess who was top?
0: I, I already know this, I've got this in my notes for later, but. Oh, have you, right? Yeah, Ever-
1: Everton, Everton. And uh, in the end, they needed a change of manager uh, to save them from relegation. They were definitely going down. So they were top after three matches, then Leeds in September and October. Uh, Leads under O'Leary still, yeah. uh, still spending more than perhaps they should have been, um, but a very, very capable team. Uh, Liverpool from mid-November to pre-Christmas. Then over Christmas, Newcastle under Sir Bobby Robson took over the leadership. Uh, then uh, from New Year to mid-March, Man United, as you um, quite predictably uh, drew our attention to, Wayne, um, earlier. From New Year to mid-March, Man United, and then it became a straight fight between uh, the two French managers, Gerard Houllier uh, of Liverpool and uh, and Arsenal's um, uh, Arsene Wenger, uh, from basically um, the April to the end, April the first to the end. You know, the final five weeks of the season we'll make our way
0: down the table in a moment so let's conclude on Arsenal then they won the double, uh, first first, your thoughts on this one Paddy, this was a time when they'd play the FA Cup final the weekend before the last league game of the season, never quite felt right to me that they, they would play the FA Cup final either one week or two weeks before the end of the season Yes. Um, but having said that you know I'm a stickler for tradition anyway, yes. I, I like the old Wembley, the green poles on the back of the net the long goals like that. I'm not a yeah. big f- and and 3pm on a Saturday and all of that's been tampered with. Um, yes. uh, I, having said that, I, I liked the Millennium Stadium. I thought they did a great job at
1: al- hosting the. Um... They they certainly did. It was a great experience for fans because you know there was a lot. Wembley uh, Wembley's not like it is now. There's not a lot of. I mean it was a it was a desert, wasn't it around mm-hmm. Wembley? I mean you got there and you thought, well, what do we do next? There's about, <laughs> yeah. there's about three pubs all packed to capacity, people, people squeezing out of the chimneys almost, and uh, so it was te- it was terrible. Whereas the, the fans go down to Cardiff, and suddenly they find a a, a sort of pub nightlife vibrant area within five minutes walk of the ground, and um, with with loads of room for everybody to eat and drink, and it, it, it's great. But to talk, do you want me to talk about the cup final? Because I've got a theory about that. Yeah, please do. Uh, Arsenal 2, Chelsea 0. Parla opens the scoring with a long-range curler. Beauty. Uh, You know, pacey curler. And Jungberg gets the second with an even better curler Mm. around the goalkeeper's dive, right? I don't think I've ever seen two goals, two worldies in the same FA Cup final. I'm trying Mm. to think. You know, you, you usually yeah. get a couple of decent goals and a great one, uh, or one scruffy one, or one great one. But I'm trying to remember one where there's two great goals, uh, and they were in that game, Parler and Jungberg. Uh, that's my theory. Another thing I'd like to mention about Chelsea, this is an, this is an amazing story. Uh, well, no, it's not an amazing story, it's quite a depressing story do you remember Sam Dallabona yeah the Italian midfielder Yeah, nicked from his home country at the age of 16 brought up in the Chelsea system got in the side you know he was playing 15 to 20 games a season at the age of while well, still in his teens yeah uh, offered a contract by Chelsea but didn't fancy it thought he'd do better if he went back to his native Italy went to Milan played one game for them and Career slowly fizzled out. He, his final season was with Mantova, uh, and he retired at the age of thirty, having made no mark on the game at all. And and you sometimes wonder if he would stayed at Chelsea and been patient, and no. he, he would certainly have been in the squad for 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 for, for, for cup finals uh, and trophies um, in the era that was to follow. But uh, I guess, I, I, I suppose he felt that with Lampard coming on, you know, that the, the central midfield options were going to be limited. Um, and, uh, and off he went. Uh, Makaleli, he wasn't to know this, but Makaleli was to come within a year or so. So it, 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 it's just rather odd that this boy that everybody was fighting for, his signature of, um, should end up just career going nowhere. Yeah,
0: well, um, we're not quite onto to it yet. It'll probably be the next season after this, but we're, we're coming close to my favourite bugbear of all time in the Premier League, which was Winston Bogard's oh, wasteful yeah. spell at Stamford Bridge. Um,
1: Amazing, wasn't it? Yeah. It but... was a real work experience scheme, that. <laughs>
0: um, we mentioned a few episodes ago about Arsenal symbolically winning the league at Old Trafford, Now this time... Paddy, they, they actually went and mathematically did it. Um, although I, I would yeah. say, looking at it, and um, because United were out of the race, they weren't really competing at this point, it, it, it still felt like a more symbolic um win in '98 yeah. than, than 2002.
1: Yes, yes I, I think that's true. But Arsenal fans still enjoyed, yeah, uh, you know, uh, celebrating at Old Trafford. It was a night. A May evening, was it? 8th of May, that that would be a uh, Tuesday or Wednesday night. I remember sort of breakaway goal. Again, Jungberg was the key. Mm. Made a brilliant run, Uh, took the ball from Sylvain Wilthor. A very good save by whoever it was, Barthez or whoever. And um, Barthez, by the way, was, uh, that's another factor, Barthez was making too many errors by now. Um, and it uh, went back to Will Todd who tucked it away brilliantly with his left foot and that was it, that was the title um, but uh, yeah, that was that was dramatic but uh, actually, I'm amazed uh, I know you, you don't want to dwell on Man United but can I dwell uh, on something that happened <laughs> to Man United in the season? Please do <laughs> Do you mind? No, you mind. Because uh, I was at Dwight uh, Hart Lane that day when they went 3-0 down yep. to Spurs. Glenn Hoddle was the manager. Alex Ferguson, obviously, was the manager. And uh, Dean Richards on his debut, Ferdinand and Christian Ziga had Spurs 3-0 up at half-time. And it's funny, uh, just while I was researching this episode, I was listening to... I've, I got an MUTV um, thing of uh, of the game. And and Paddy Crerand, uh, was was the... Was the second commentator? You know. So of course, all there was something wrong with all three of Spurs' goals. There was an offside in the build-up, or something. You know, the marking wasn't good enough. They were all complete aberrations. These three goals, but uh, luckily, luckily, everything was re- restored to its uh, rightful place in the second half. And even Paddy was happy because uh, Cole, uh, Andy Cole, got a sensational header. Um, to bring United back to three-one, uh, and then you know Paddy and uh, Steve, what's his name, the commentator it used to be with MUT. Steve Bowers. Steve Bowers, yeah, and now now of course a national national commentator. Um, Steve was uh, the, even they were starting to believe when Laurent Blanc uh, again from a corner header from a corner Rud Van Nistelrooy three headers three all, Veron. Put United ahead uh, four three, and Becks with Beckham. Sorry, with a tremendous. Honestly, I'm getting. I must be catching Man United eye-tits off you. <laughs> um, a, a super slashed shot made it five three, and uh, that was a really famous victory. But the, the interesting thing was it wasn't United's only five three league victory in London that season, because in March. Uh, they did the same thing. One five three didn't come back from three 0 down uh, against West Ham. Do you do you remember anything about the, that one, Wayne? I remember Beckham
0: scoring an incredible chip on the run mm. um, in that.
1: Oh, game. was that the game where he did that? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, the 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 White Hart Lane one was funny because I mean Beckham famously from a family with a, a Spurs supporting grandfather, and he was mm. captain that day because Roy Keane was injured. And at mm. half time in that game, obviously United are 3 0 down. So you're wondering what kind of air dryer treatment did Fergie yeah. give them? And apparently he just sat on the skip and said, yeah. try and keep the score down, boys.
1: Yeah. In fact, it just reminded me of uh, the the other, the uh, we were talking about Arsenal Man United and the nil 1. The Arsenal 3 Man United won in November. Yeah. I'd mentioned that Barthez was beginning to get error-prone. He, he actually chucked a couple in that day. Yeah. Um, a loose clearance and, and, and a poor judgment. Two bits of poor judgment, uh, each time punished by Thierry Henry. Yeah.
0: But I would say that I'm, you know, I'm United's biggest sympathizer. But Arsenal were better. They cr- they were they were the better side on the day as well. And I'm not counting for that, the um, team who okay. didn't quite um, get into the title mix-up, even though they finished second, yeah. I, and I think their, their title challenge was undermined by a few things. Was um, Liverpool obviously? Um yeah. Gerard Houllier's art condition meant they yeah, had to I and. Mean,
1: that- this was, that's right, it was, a, it, was technic, it was a ruptured aorta, the main valve, the, the main, yeah, the main valve. Um, well, I, as you mentioned before, I was quite, he was a pal of mine at that time, yeah. Gerard, and, uh, well, I hope he still is, but he, 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 he um, so I got to know quite a bit about what happened and uh he was he was in it was an amazing story. he was in the dressing room at half time at anfield uh in a game against Leeds, and he had this terrible pain in his chest, yeah, yeah, and so he, he thought, so. well no, I've got to talk to the team i've got to you know i think it was a very tight game with Leeds and he thought no, I've got to concentrate on my team talk here you know and after about five minutes, the pain was just getting so bad that he thought, I've got to go into the treatment room and see the doc uh, and find out what, what this is. So he went into the treatment room, and there was um, uh, Emil Heskey lying on the couch uh, being given some kind of treatment by the doctor. And uh, he immediately goes, Ulier immediately goes to go out again, and the doctor says, "What is it?" He says, "Oh, I've got just a little bit of a pain in my chest, doc, but it's more important that you um, that you, you sort to Emil out for the second half." And the doctor says, a pain in your chest, boss." He says, uh, "He pushes, he shoves Emil Heskey off the off the couch, and uh, makes Sullier sit down there." So Heskey sort of walks off to prepare for the second half, and uh, within. 30 seconds the doctor worked out how serious this was and uh, got an ambulance and um, the the ambulance, luckily it was half time mm. so the ambulance comes straight from the hospital uh, in Liverpool, picks up Boulier, takes him and he, went, he goes immediately into surgery and has an 11 hour operation that saved his life now if that all of that had happened after ninety minutes, would the ambulance have been able to get through the departing crowds mm-hmm. and and get him to the hospital? Maybe, maybe in, with 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 the um, you know the 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 sirens and so on. But the next, Liverpool's next game was away to Dynamo Kiev on the Wednesday. So if he'd had that attack. Um, on the plane to kiev four hours yeah. three and a half hours whatever it is uh, he'd have been dead and um he was very conscious of that you know and uh anyway he he did he did he come but he came back too soon um i remember he, he said to me that somebody told me you should have a month off for every hour you're on the treatment table and he'd been on the uh, sorry, the operating table. He'd been on the operating table for 11 hours and he was actually back in full charge after four months, which was just far too little. And uh, he was actually really remotely controlling the team uh, by telephone to Phil Thompson, who took over and did ably, actually, in uh, the assistant manager. Um in his absence, um, when he, uh, and then he finally returned for a, a champions league game against Roma in March. I think it was, but, um, yes, Liverpool's season, uh, partly because of that disruption. Although, although, as I say, Phil Thompson didn't let the side down in, uh, in his, uh, in his stead. Um, yeah, they finished second, but never really threatened for anything. They didn't, uh, uh, do much in the Cups um, they did beat Manchester United home in a way which obviously matters a lot and guess who Danny Murphy again mm. scored at Old Trafford um, but one thing you could possibly say is that although Owen got his usual decent uh, load of goals 19 with one of them a penalty Heskey never a great goal scorer 9 And do you know who the third top goal scorer was? Actually, you do, because I told you this
0: morning. No, I'll I'll
1: let you shop that one. John Arna Risa. Yeah. Uh, How did you score that goal? And uh, (laughs) I can't even remember which goal it was that they were talking about, but uh, he got seven goals in the league alone. Um, Very, very useful, uh, uh, particularly attacking contributor. Uh, Good good signing. Good signing. And... um, yeah, there were still some, some good games and, and they threatened in Europe uh, uh, for a while, but uh, they, that both they and uh, Manchester United uh, were knocked out uh, by... Uh, sorry, both they and Manchester United played uh, and were knocked out by Bayer Leverkusen in the uh, Champions League. Uh, this is a, a tremendous Bayer Leverkusen team, including Michael Balak. Um, Bernd Schneider, Lucio, and uh, your old friend uh, Berba Berbatov, Dimitar Berbatov. So it's a hell of a good team by Leverkusen, um, but even they, of course, weren't quite good enough to win the European Cup because of the genius of Zinedine Zidane. Do you remember that left foot volley at oh, Hampden Park? Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, so that was that was by Leverkusen, you know, uh, bridesmaids yet again, but. Uh, terrific, uh, terrific side, and and as I say, they took care of United on away goals and uh, and beat Liverpool even more convincingly. Yeah. Uh, so there was nothing much for Liverpool uh, in that season, despite
0: you know it was promising and obviously finishing second was their highest um, in the Premier League so far. Um, a team wanting to compete with that kind of status uh, that we've been referencing in recent shows has been Leeds United. Yes, um, <laughs> I think it went. This was the season where it went a little bit too far. Um, they they made two major signings in the season. And one that seemed like a smart piece at the time was Robbie Fowler for eleven yeah. million. Um yeah. he did have wrong. injury problems with Liverpool. But you thought eleven million pound? I can't believe that they've allowed him to go for such a small amount.
1: Fell out a bit with Uli and
0: all that. The biggest story, of course, was Seth Johnson. Um, I don't know. I don't know how popularly known this is, or if he's just one of my favourite football stories. Um, Go on. (laughs) He signs for. Um, I think they wanted seven million from Derby and Leeds offered yeah. nine, which was a yeah. good start. Yeah. Um, and the, the, there's two stories as always: there's the folk story and what actually happened, and the, yeah. the actual the legend has Seth Johnson in the room. But Johnson actually later on said that he wasn't there, so it was his <laughs> his agent that was having this negotiation. So, for anyone who doesn't know. Seth Johnson's agent goes to Leeds to negotiate the deal with uh, with Peter Ridsdale, the Leeds chairman. Yep. Johnson's on five grand a week at Derby County, and he's really hoping that he's going to get double that amount, or even thirteen grand. That's what they'd said. We really want, Um, but the story goes that Ridsdale. He's opening offer. He's thirty grand a week, <laughs> and his agent is so stunned that he's open mouthed. He's like, he can't believe it. He doesn't know how to respond. Ridsdale takes that as a rejection <laughs> <laughs> and offers <laughs> offers a thirty offers thirty seven thousand um, pound.
1: The best. Oh, it, it should be true. That's got to be true. That's well, got, I, this, I, I don't care. Actually, I don't care if it's true or not. I believe it. Well, the
0: best thing is, there's definitely that the story's true. But the best um, revision of it was from uh, Ridsdale himself, who later said, "No, that's at least ten thousand pound a week less than what we actually offered." <laughs> so <laughs> even even the twenty seven grand, which was almost six times what he was on a derby, um, but with that, that's just an indication of how frivolous leads were becoming at the time. Um, they were. I mean, we'll talk about the collapse of ITD, ITV Digital in you know the last stages of this mm. show, but mm. they, it, uh, there was a lot of um, spending accumulating to, well sp- you know, speculating yes. to accumulate which leads were doing at this time. Um, yes. they had done it with Rio Ferdinand before, obviously Robbie Fowler, um, yeah. but the Seth Johnson one is one of those paddy that would well, go down in it, it, for it me.
1: because it didn't. Uh, uh, he did play for England once. Mm. Uh, but um, yeah it it, it, uh, it was an unfortunate story because he's in the end al- although he, he, he had uh, he only made about you know, well actually I've got it in front of me uh, in four seasons at Leeds he made 54 appearances uh, he was a, an in demand player left sided yeah. um, uh, midfield player although he could play full back uh, or wing back um he it didn't work he returned to Derby, eventually returned to Derby County um, but then uh, in the championship playoff, which they won, he was injured his knee was injured and um, uh, two years later well weeks later he was released from his contract, his career over at the age of 28. So, um, uh, uh, not, again, not a particularly happy ending there. Um, to, but it's still a bloody funny story. Um, yeah, Leeds, Leeds were, were running out of... And, in fact, at the end of the season, uh, David O'Leary, who supervised this very exciting blend of good signings, Mark Viduca we dwelt on in the last episode, um, and homegrown players such as uh, John Woodgate... Um, Woodgate incidentally had a challenger for best English centre half in, surprise, you didn't mention the continued progress of Wes Brown mm. uh, so England had two really promising centre halves at that time or so it looked and um, anyway Leeds in the end dispensed uh, O'Leary and, and Leeds uh, parted company at the end of the season, the era had run out of steam, the money was running out and uh, well, Terry Venables ended up uh, before the summer was out. Terry Venables ended up in charge of Leeds United, mm. his old club, Tottenham Hotspur. Were you, were you going to mention them? Yeah, go for it. Uh, well, we we mentioned it before uh, that uh, that they lost the league, surprisingly lost the League Cup final to Blackburn. That um, they did have a good side, and one player that I don't know if we touched on, Sheringham, still playing well. At Tottenham, uh, in tandem with Les Ferdinand, who by now had left Newcastle, uh, and an honourable mention for Gus Poyet, um, who, who, who's, again was was doing very well with them. Um, can can we also mention Newcastle? I would Did love we, to, yeah. Right, because Shearer uh, got twenty three goals for them under Bobby Robson. They played some fantastic football. Uh, Bobby had uh, given Shearer a bit of raw pace well more than raw because he was a good player Craig Bellamy very bright young player in fact I think he was young player of the year in the PFA Awards Um, so Shearer and Bellamy were a real handful for defences but the creator in chief was a guy called Laurent Robert, do you remember him? What a left foot What Absolutely he play-made from outside left He chipped in with goals He, he was a great He could f- curl in a free kick He could score from open play Managed eight in the league alone uh, And they finished fourth Reached the FA Cup That's Newcastle Reached the FA Cup quarter-finals As well as And I know Wayne I know you love the Intertoto so you'll be <laughs> very pleased Where I mentioned that they reached The Intertoto finals <laughs> Wow, and you'll, know, and you'll know why I said the finals because the Inter ended at the last four, so they would bear <laughs> off, and there'd be two finals, and Newcastle lost one of them on penalties to I can't remember it was probably a Belgian team um, and uh, the, but they lost on penalties, but I presume that meant that they qualified for the UEFA Cup the next season. in fact, I think it did. Then uh, what, the only other interesting thing, uh, well, the, one of the many other interesting things that happened was that Newcastle, Bobby Robson paid Nottingham Forest $5 million, a record fee, for an English teenager. And uh, can you remember his name?
0: Jermaine Genus, although they thought it was Genus at the time.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. And he was. He, he seemed very good value at the time. Uh, I think and he was to get into the national teams pretty soon uh, it looked a real thoroughbred germane um, and uh, um, it certainly you know that was the kind of it, he looked like the future of of Newcastle United at that time um, and finally you you well no, I don't know about finally you've probably got millions of things you're bursting to talk about but uh Everton, we touched briefly uh, 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 earlier in the program on Everton. Uh, David Moyes, they were heading for relegation under Walter Smith. Uh, he did, I think, three years there. And uh, they uh, made a brilliant uh, choice of the new manager in getting uh, David Moyes away from Preston, where he'd done really, really well, had David and he came in and he he saved everton from relegation a really uh, inspired spell in the last third of last yeah last third of the season uh, and everton were safe and, and it looked like they'd got a good manager in Moyes. yeah um, and more
0: definitely more on Moyes to follow um, all three promoted clubs were safe we already talked about blackburn and, and Sooness, but yeah. fulham fulham under the ownership of Mohammed Al Fayed, spent yeah. around thirty-five million pounds um, mm-hmm. to secure safety, which they did um, with some
1: comfort. Yes, they did. It was, mind you, it's no wonder when you when you think of the side they had. Yeah. Um, of course, yeah, uh, Fayed is still revered at Craven Cottage. I've, uh, I've got a season ticket there, and I, I can't wait to use it again. Um, and uh, I love the atmosphere down there and um, they loved Mohamed Al-Fayed because he put his money where his mouth was supported the club Um, in this case uh, Jean Tigana and um, uh, well, look, listen to this team listen to this for a team goalkeeper Edwin van der Saar 7 million from Juventus What what a bargain eh Right back, Steve Finnan, who's already proved himself at uh, Liverpool, He's a quality player. Melville and Goma, the center halves, uh, not a good solid pair. Rufus Brevit at left back. Now one of the, the be- in my opinion, the best player they signed out of that 35 million was Steed Malbrank. Yeah. Right side midfield player, creative, could chip in with goals. Very, very good indeed. I loved Steed Malbrank. And uh, French. Uh, Legwinski and uh, Davis in central midfield. Left side midfield, if you want craft, uh, you've got John Collins. If you want Pace, you've got Louis Beaumont. Mm. Uh, I mean... Uh, you, you can't believe this all this quality, can you? Up front, uh, Hales Barry Hales, uh, good good goal scorer Louis Saha played a bit, and uh, Steve Marley who was not the best. I think he was probably the most expensive of the, the signings.
0: Yeah, uh, he, he was the he was the backfired gamble, but yeah, the re- yeah, yeah. you know the rest of it was fine.
1: There's still, a better, uh, better, uh, better selection of players than we signed. Uh, the last time we rose into the Premier League, God, what a load of duffers they were. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, so that's a good side. So for that side to finish thirteenth is uh, is pretty well where they where they should have been. A uh, good side, good side in, indeed. Who was the third one that came up? Uh, all three stayed up. You mentioned uh, Wayne. Who who were the third? The third were Bolton Wanderers, coached yeah. by. Well this is Sam Allardyce beginning to really really make his reputation at the very top level Uh, came back uh, with this side they stayed up which was I suppose the height of the ambitions outside the club although clearly Sam had higher ambitions because one of his signings during the season was Yuri Djorkaev World Cup winner Um, you know, um, and 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 very much a sign of uh Bolton. You know, don't think of us as Lancashire lads. You know, we are very much going to take our part in this modern, polyglot, um you know, world of of, of glamorous footballers from from every part of the. Of the universe, we we mentioned in the last show
0: Charlton winning four nil on the first day of the season, and I I said that started a trend of promote, promoted sides winning heavily. Bolton won their first game five nil at Leicester City, um, oh. and you you know we mentioned um, Bolton's ambitions. Yeah. Bolton won the first three games, and Allardyce said jokingly I, I might add that they might even win the league <laughs> so they did yeah. have some ambitions Djokaev by the way um, yeah. I think he was the first of a few of those signings that would come midway through the season to inspire that kind of late fight yeah. back um, well, oh, we'll... sorry
1: I'd like to apologise for a bad stat earlier on Four team, uh, 7 teams led the league because you're quite right Lee uh, Bolton were top of the first league table of the season in September They'd beaten not only Leicester 5-0, but Middlesbrough 1-0 and Liverpool Mm. 2-1. Yeah. Leading goalscorer in the season. Jokov got four. Uh, Freddie Bobic got four. Kevin Nolan uh, got eight from midfield, you know, attacking, stealing, surprising people. Um, And Michael Ricketts got 12. Yeah, um, Bolton are
0: they the lowest of the promoted sides, but arguably the team that are going to make the um, the biggest impression of all of them uh, moving right. forward.
1: We've got that to look forward to. Yeah, we most
0: certainly do. Um, <laughs> Big sums, i Agricultural uh, blend of um, footballing philosophies—a um, <laughs> sight to behold. Um,
1: so, um, oh, come on, this is the this is the man that brought us J.J. O'Connor. You know? Oh, I can't wait yeah. to talk about him. I loved him. Oh, yeah. that, now you you'll be if you hear any noise, listener, in the background. <laughs> Uh, it'll be us drooling yeah. <laughs> over JJ Okacha
0: it won't be any surprise to the listeners considering that we've been um, been so enthused with the likes of Matt Letizia and, and so
1: on um, oh yes Matt Letizia and I think actually it's it's. It, I'm glad you mentioned that because I think Matt Letizia is coming to the end now, this is 2001 2 um, I think after 16 years this is getting towards the end of Matt Letizia's career And, uh, of course, a big change in Southampton's ambitions because they have moved into St. Mary's, this brand-new 32,000-capacity stadium. They no longer have the smallest capacity in the top division, which the Dell held. And, um, you know, they're beginning to dare to look upwards, I think.
0: Yeah, the other... Team in red and white stripes who'd moved into a new stadium with Sunderland and we said that they'd done really well, but they they yeah. just about scraped um, safely this time round. Yes, um, they'd had
1: a great time before a brilliant season back. But uh, Sunderland, the crowds were, uh, 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 you know, you know my obsession with crowds. Um, the crowds were holding up, and I think that they had the third highest average. In the Premier League in 2001 to Manchester United led the way with about sixty-eight. now. Man United mm-hmm. have gone up to 68,000. Um, but uh, that was 30,000 more than Champions Arsenal. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, but second, the second biggest supported club in the league were Newcastle with 51,000 average and Sunderland were third with forty-four. Which put them ahead of Leeds on 40, Chelsea on 39. So, um, yeah, uh, that shows you that Sunderland, well, they went down, they nearly went down with 45,000, 45, yeah. 44 average crowd. It's, it's a real football city, and uh, it's, uh, I, I, I always hope that uh, they'll come back to somewhere closer to where they belong.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The first team down, uh, well, going down from eighteenth, eighteenth uh, Ipswich Town. Who qualified for the yep. UEFA Cup via fair play, but really yes. that probably sums them up, doesn't it, Paddy? They were a bit of a, yes. t- too much of a soft touch, um, yes. and they, they were doomed. Um, doomed yes. we, we mentioned them last in the last episode as well. They had a few of those. Like, I, I called them the 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 men of the apocalypse <laughs> the, the relegation kind of guys who, and I did do them a little bit of a disservice but they were down this time round, um, Derby County committed the ultimate sin for me which is um, almost certain to bring relegation which is changing your manager twice in a season um, yeah. Jim Jim Smith resigned in October, he was replaced by Colin Todd who was sacked less than three months later in January and replaced by John Gregory and um, just not good enough this time round derby. Whether they they were,
1: uh, they didn't uh, didn't uh, score score enough goals, um, nearly enough. Fabrizio Ravanelli played for them, of course, in that in that season, um, got nine goals. But they were never really, despite uh, the fact they had Georgie Kincladzi, uh, a, a, a great uh, a great name of uh, the football of your hometown, Manchester. Uh, and my children's hometown. Uh, but uh, no, they're, they're the wrong sort of players. Danny Higginbottom, Benito Carbone, Strupa, Dion Burton. Trevor Christie, leading scorer with nine, you know, so that, that tells its own story. Mm. Now, who was the third team to go down, Wayne?
0: Leicester City, who, after a few seasons in the top flight, and they'd moved into a new stadium, but they were rock bottom. Um, mm. And I think. You know, we'll be talking about Leicester because they will come back soon enough. Um, but these were uncertain times for for Leicester at the worst possible time because of that moving mm. into new stadium. But I wanted to close then talking about I've mentioned it a couple of times the financial difficulties because, and we also talked about Leeds as well and the trouble that they were heading into. So late mm. on in this season, even though it's not Premier League, you know we like to cover all bases in the English game itv digital which was a basically was a they'd got the rights of the football league and some of the premier league as well i think if memory serves they'd got the contract show match of the day as well from bbc yeah. um the gamble backfired their subscription service was massively undersubscribed um, in comparison to sky and they were forced into administration in march 2002 um this obviously had devastating consequences for many um, football clubs and <laughs> to this day really I think uh, still uh, some are paying the consequences of this uh, Bradford City were the first of many clubs to go into administration Barnsley would shortly follow so that's two clubs that we've talked about in the Premier League who had sort of Fault to keep their head above water, but you know to try and compete. But they were Bradford really were paying the consequence of the likes of you know the contracts that they given to Carboni and Collymore. Um, Leeds would pay these consequences um, further down the road. But it's odd, Paddy, um, because I'm looking at these figures and, and looking at the times and thinking, you know, we got one or two clubs faced with administration, and then it went on to something like fourteen. And we're talking about this in the early spring of 2020, when you, you have this dread that um, we're going to see a repeat of clubs folding into administration, or possibly even worse. Um, but it—it's a know, reminder. It's,
1: it's, we're so tempted. It, it is very poignant, Wayne. I agree. Uh, and in fact, I've been thinking, thinking about this in in, in recent weeks. Heaven's much worse things than the values of football have been going on in our society all over the world. But, um, it, there are a lot of, of, of lives being destroyed if football doesn't come out of this unscathed as increasingly looks likely, unfortunately. And, um, you know, it, it, it was so tempting if, if coronavirus had not afflicted the world, um, I think we'd be sitting here now um, and talking about the collapse of ITV Digital as one of those things that ha 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 happened in the, you know, in the, in, in the poor old days when football wasn't as clever as it is today. Um, and and as, as, as overflowing with money as it is today, that's probably what we would have been saying. Um, as it turns out, we would have been very, very wrong. Yeah, um, and unfortunately,
0: with that sadness, we we will be talking about the consequences of that in future episodes as well. Um, from the sad to the absurd, um, Manchester City are coming back into the Premier League, uh, but I mean the the absurd isn't City, They they've come back up with hundred and eight league goals. They are firing. They're going to be playing their last season at Main Road in the Premier League. Birmingham and West Brom are up for their first Premier League seasons. Um, but it's West Brom we need to close this episode on, which is one of the strangest games, and not only definitely the strangest game of this season, but possibly, I mean, it's, it's up there in one of the strangest in West Ham's history. Now, how humorous is it? Sheffield United played a part in this series in the early episodes, and their only yeah. recent um, inclusion in this series has been a big kerfuffle about fair play. <laughs> <laughs> and then they turn up in this episode um, towards the end of the season they're playing at Bramall Lane it's, is it called the Battle of Bramall Lane or something this uh, game is referred to I, I, I
1: think if, if there was a bit of aggro yeah I think it's inevitable that
0: the, press have <laughs> they, um, the game gets registered as a 3-0 win to West Brom because Sheffield United only have 6 players and the referee is forced to abandon the game 3 players are sent off Two players are, quote unquote, injured. Um, West Brom manager um, Gary Megson is furious about this. Paddy, can you remember this? This is one no, of the. I can't.
1: You can't remember the game. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you've reminded me of it, um, but uh, yeah, it was. It was. It was as you rightly say, uh, awarded to uh, awarded to West Bromwich. Gary Megson was a West Brom manager. Who was the manager of Sheffield United? <laughs> Neil Warnock. Oh, no. Well, I mean, oh, to be quite honest, when I mean, you put the probably the two most combustible and the two most um, uh, argumentative and annoying managers that have that probably ever managed in, in the game, Into the same the same game towards the end of a long hard season. (laughs) What do you expect? (laughs) That's a lovely story. You know, it's the kind of outcome that that you associate with the World Club Championship in the early days. You know, like United against the Studiantes or Celtic against Racing Club, when you got about twenty minutes of football and then a punch-up. Oh, that's that. That's incredible. Uh, it is all coming back to me now. It is all coming back to me.
0: There was um, um, there was an um, accusation or insinuation that Warnock yeah. had um, told his players to stay down and come off because uh, oh, yes. the description on Wikipedia as the players crawling off the pitch. Yeah. Um, <laughs> West Brom were three 0 up at the time, so it didn't really affect anything. But I think there was the um, there was the sort of subplot to this is that West Brom thought that they might have to score a few more goals, you know, in their title yeah. in their promotion push. So they were a bit upset that the game had been abandoned. It didn't count for anything in the end because they um, because they did get promoted. But um, the three men sent off for Sheffield United were Simon Tracy after nine minutes. Um, and then the substitutes, um, I imagine this is in the same incident. George Santos in the 65th mm. and Patrick Sufo in the 65th, and they both just come on in the 64th minute. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't seen the highlights for it, but I guess um, if you need, they're going to be on YouTube, so anyone should go and check that out. The Battle of Bramall Lane.
1: Um, yeah. In actual fact, the. The Rothmans describes it as a day of shame. Yeah. Uh, so if it's the Battle of Bramall Lane and a, a day of shame, uh, you can only feel sorry for the, the referee that day, who as you'll know was Eddie Woolstonholm. Yeah. Oh. Um, and uh, oh, and and, and he, he had no alternative, of course. After uh, after uh, the blades were down, to six players. Yeah. yeah and I- after the game, uh, Baggy's boss Gary Megson said he would refuse to take part in a rearranged fixture Yeah. so that was, but it was right because he was awarded it 3-0 anyway I've got his
0: exact quote here which is there will be no replay if we are called back to Bramall Lane we shall kick off and then walk off the pitch I've been in professional football since I was 16 and I'm 42 now I've never ever witnessed anything as disgraceful as that There is no place for that in any game of football, let alone professional football. Well, hopefully Mm. um, sending down well-behaved Ipswich would clean up the division. (laughs) So um, we will be back very soon to see how the 2002-2003 season unfolded.